is Ante Otto and welcome to the Psychic Matters podcast episode number 35. Psychic medium and certified tutor Natalie Walker was with me in the studio this week. We've been talking about the evolution of mediumship. Why, due to the world pandemic, we as psychics and mediums are having to work in very different, very creative ways online, and how that online work not only impacts us and our practice, but helps us to reach more people and benefit so many others across the world. Natalie also speaks to us in depth about her fascinating work as a psychic detective, working on many cases, including missing people, and how her diploma in criminal profiling has helped her to use her psychic mind in different ways when it comes to psychic detection. Natalie Walker is a very highly regarded tutor and psychic medium, not only here in the UK, but across the world. And this is an episode not to be missed. Before we begin, I want to take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to my new patrons, Kay Mazar, Jilly Hooper, Stacey Christopher and George Curry, all of whom have recently signed up to the Psychic Matters Patreon account. Yay! Thank you so much, you guys. Your support means the world to me and it enables me to focus on continuing to produce high quality content for all. My mission behind the Psychic Matters podcast is to investigate the teachings of experts across the globe to bring you their wisdom, their advice and their spiritual wealth. The Psychic Matters podcast is a platform on which today's lightworkers, spiritual practitioners and world experts can stand and talk freely about the pioneering work that they do in both spirituality and science. In order to take my podcast to the next level, I need your help. And this is why I have set up a Patreon account and I would dearly love you, dear listener, to join Kay, Jilly, Stacey and George and become a patron too. Your contribution will directly help and support the production of the Psychic Matters podcast. It will help to pay for the podcast overheads, help to purchase new equipment and help support the work that we're all doing for the benefit of all. In return, there are benefits to you. Everyone who becomes a patron will receive monthly Rahani healing from me and a monthly channeled message from Spirit. There are tiers of subscription level depending on your financial fluidity, each one just as important to me as the other. There are discounts on my events and workshops, monthly draws for one of my free past life regression or time travel readings, and an opportunity to get exclusive private coaching with me. If you have a spare £5 or more per month, I would love you to become a patron of the Psychic Matters podcast. Any amount, big or small, will make a huge difference. If you would like to find out a little more, please visit patreon.com slash psychic matters p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash psychic matters meanwhile let's get back to this week's episode i'm in the psychic matters studio today with psychic medium and certified tutor natalie walker natalie welcome to psychic matters Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you here. And everybody's really thrilled because I've had a lot of people ask me, oh, could you interview Natalie Walker? Could you get her on the show? Could you get her? So thank you so much for putting the time aside. I know your schedule is very tight. You've got a lot on. So we really do appreciate you coming on to talk to us and share your knowledge today. Oh, you're welcome. So, Natalie, let's begin at the beginning. You know, you are a psychic medium and a certified tutor. Where did these gifts come from? When did you first recognize in yourself that you had psychic ability? I would say I first recognized about my ability around the age of about 18 when I made sense of what was going on. But I did actually have ability, have encounters with the spirit world. I can remember being in my infant school. So I would have been around the age of four to five years old. I could see the spirit world so clearly. I could see them. We used to have a classroom that was dedicated to the school library. And I remember it, the scenery, as clear as day now, because I saw the spirit world a lot clearer than what I see them now. And I didn't realise, they were so clear, I didn't realise that they was people that had passed away. 
I genuinely used to think that there was other people that would come into the school library and that would sit there reading the books with me. And being the studious child I was, whenever you finished your work at the towards the end of the day, you would be allowed into the library. So being the studious child I was, in I would go. I would always finish one of the first, have all these ticks in my book, and then in I would go as one of the first. And I didn't really think too much about it because I remember going in, these other adults, quite a few elderly people would just be sitting at the children's tables reading their book. I would help myself to my book and on I'd go reading. Never used to think anything of it because it was clear as day and the innocence of a child, you don't question it. You just think the library is there for everyone to use. So it was only later in life when I learned more about the spirit world and the mechanics of mediumship that around the age, um, I would say probably between 16 to 18, where I would then make sense of when I was in that school, I know that's who I used to see. I know that's who I was comfortable with. And then around 10 years old as well, I did have a very profound experience um, with someone passing. And I did realise that what I would say is I wasn't normal. I no longer felt normal. I, I began to feel very alone because no one could understand what I was saying. And when I say no one, I didn't really tell any of my friends. It was a couple of teachers and they used to tell me to stop crying. And they used to tell me that I was being ridiculous. And that was, I would never forget it. It was one evening we had a school concert and I was 10 years old. I was, I think I was either in the, la the last year or the year before last of leaving my junior school. And we had a school concert. We were singing away in the hall and I can still see him walking out now. And it was Mr. Waters was the head teacher and he was lovely. And he went home early because he didn't feel too good. And I remember looking at him walking out the door to the hallway, knowing, mid-song, knowing I was never going to see him again. I knew I wouldn't be seeing him again. And um, nobody else took any notice, apart from whatever teacher he told that he needed to go home because he didn't feel too good. Didn't think anything of it. Arrived at school the next day. We was a bit late being called in. And then once we was in, and it was the first break at 10.30, my teacher, Mrs. Wallace, I'm good with names because I remember the event. My teacher, Mrs. Wallace, told us that um, he'd passed away very quickly of heart failure. Um, he'd passed away. And I just remember breaking down, couldn't go out to play. I remember sitting there and she was really kind and they still all were kind. But I think after a while, and I'm talking weeks, after a while of me because I couldn't work out what I was feeling. So it just used to upset me all the time that he was gone. He was gone in this way. And I hadn't told anyone. And I knew. And I just remember crying a lot and then being told that I had to pull myself together and get on with my work. So I think it's a case of not always being able to work yourself out. Yes. So that was my first profound experience with the spirit world and a knowingness of what was going to happen and I what? still think about him now I still wonder what his family's doing because I know he had children and I still think about him now as the first person I knew that I had encountered that has gone to the spirit world wow what an amazing story and it just goes to show how sensitive we can be as children when we can't express what's going on yeah yeah absolutely and so how did you take it forward then, Natalie? So when you came to be 18, did, did something happen then that you thought you were going to study? Well, or when, when, I was, when I was 16, by chance, it was simply because I had my first job. I worked for a bank, so I was earning my own money. And it was only purely because I was earning my own money. I'm not going to ask my parents for money for this particular reason. There was a lady who I worked with, Joan, and she was going for a reading. I asked her what a reading entailed. She told me that they knew things about her that no one else could possibly know. So I went for a reading and goodness knows what this woman told me because I didn't have anybody that had died at that time. 
um, apart from my school teacher but obviously I wasn't close to him in that way so I didn't have anybody that had died and I was 16 just starting out at work had a good upbringing so I didn't really have a lot to tell me either because I was just going getting up and going to work but I went for this reading and then I remember going to a spiritual church and by then I'd started to have very weird dreams and premonitions and a lot of big premonitions still didn't really interact it with the spirit world but I remember going to a spiritual church listening to the medium didn't get a message which was fine didn't even go for a message but what it did do um, was the biggest education for me in the months um, after that because I just used to go and listen and it used to help me make sense of why when I closed my eyes at night I could see all these different faces and sets of eyes and people looking at me or being shown different scenery. So I started to self-develop from the age of 16 and then 18, that was when I started to remember about my childhood years and the interactions and started to read quite profoundly, read a lot of books and just started sitting, developing, meditating, channeling the spirit world from the age of 18 to the age of 23. I was in no rush to work. I didn't have an intention of reading for anyone. I never, ever had an intention of being a psychic medium at all. But for five years, I just developed to make sense of what I was sensing and I think that done me the power of good to not have any goals not have any intentions simply to unravel it just to experience it and then what happened at 23 Nat um at 23 um I was pregnant with my eldest boy and on maternity leave so it's almost like circumstance synchronicity I remember being pregnant with my son so I was on maternity leave and I had more time off and my niece wanted a reading I knew she'd lost people because it was the other side of the family I didn't know too much about them like it was my brother-in-law's side of the family so I didn't know too much about them and she came for a reading um, and she was just overwhelmed over the moon really pleased with what I picked up really pleased with what I said and then her friend wanted to reading and it literally took off from there and then Obviously, on maternity leave, I had my son. After a couple of months, I used to read for do readings then from people I didn't know. And it, it literally took off from there. I was blessed with having the best baby ever. So I could have a very definite routine, even with him at a couple of months old. I could know when his bedtime was. And he never, ever woke up never ever was he disturbed he might have been when the readings finished in the evening or during the day but that baby would never wake while that reading was taking place never it was amazing and I was meant to go back to work I was only on maternity leave had a fantastic job and I never ever did because my phone just never stopped it never stopped ringing so I then began reading for people Amazing. Absolutely amazing how it started for you. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And so I had the absolute pleasure of doing a one-year mentorship program with you in platform mediumship, which was just brilliant fun. It was over at Tony Stockwell studio where you were teaching. So how did you end up teaching there and teaching? You've got your own school, you're teaching your own courses. Tell us a little bit about the teaching side and where that came from. When, I can't remember what year, because um, I'm old now, so my memory's fading. <laughs> But I remember at some point, um, I was living in North London at the time, and I decided to start a home circle. So a home circle, people would gather in my home, we would take over the lounge, the children were very small, I was lucky my partner didn't mind, he would go to bed. So I was able to, I would say it was an experimental home circle. So I used to think of the subject that we was going to address. We would all work together, but I would kind of be in control, start time, finish time. And this is the subject that we're going to experiment with this week, because there's such a vast array of different elements 
to mediumship, to our psychic ability. So I'd done that for a couple of years and then booked a course at the Arthur Finley College. And it was a course run by Tony Stockwell. So by then I've been doing my readings for a number of years, um, 10 plus years. And I started my development circle, had been running for a year, just my home circle, which I enjoyed immensely. I was fine just going along with that. And then I remember doing Tony's circle, um, sorry, Tony's course at Arthur Finley College. And he was speaking to me one evening because we're both from the same area of Essex. Our parents have the same names. We both have an older sister. So our lives were very in tune with how it had developed. Both have very stable upbringings. So it was quite weird. We were just talking about Essex, really, and Canby Island and how we've been raised. So I remember him talking about him wanting to open his own development centre in Essex and then went home from the course, really, really enjoyed it, missed being in that space, carried on with what I was doing. And then about a month later, I had a phone call from him asking if I would be one of the teachers at the centre he was opening in Wickford. And that would be some 17 years ago now. Goodness, time flies. That's how I started working there. And then you obviously get to know other tutors, other people hear about your work. It's done on a bigger scale. So then over the years, I've always still done readings, always still done uh, platform mediumship that I went into. But that is how my teaching started. It snowballed from there. Other people listening, getting to know your work and asking you to come and teach for them. Wow, that's amazing. How amazing that you had such parallel, not necessarily parallel lives, but so much uh, commonality between the two of you and Tony. Yeah, I often think about it. Sometimes it's funny, the people you meet and how closely your lives have run together. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you talk about platform mediumship. Some people listening to this podcast might not be very clear on what platform mediumship is. So I wonder if you could just explain that and then maybe talk a little bit about how platform mediumship is evolving. Yeah, definitely. So platform mediumship is where you've got your audience in front of you, uh, which can range for any number. You may get a smaller number within a spiritual church to working in halls, working in theatres, where there's quite a vast array of people there. And platform mediumship, really, the emphasis is on the word platform. Your stage that you are on in front of your audience can be of any kind. So in other words, you can be on ground level um, in a community centre with all these chairs out in front of you. And the way you are expressing your connection to the spirit world is you would have shorter contacts. They can last anything between 10, maybe 15 minutes, where as you explore who you feel, who you sense from the spirit world, you also make a link to the recipient of that person. And you bring that connection through that way. And the emphasis is very much on evidence from that spirit contact. You bring that person alive, who they are. The message, the communication is so important between them. It's like you allow the people that have gone before to have a talk once again, to have communication once again with their loved ones. And that should be the aim evidence that they still exist and that they're okay what they're doing in the spirit world and what they want to say to their loved one and platform mediumship as I said is always in front of an audience so other people will be aware of your loved ones and also be being experienced in the presence of spirit being in that room with them. Beautiful great explanation thank you and how do you think platform mediumship is evolving currently? I feel there will always be, obviously, there's always going to be a need for lots of different avenues of mediumship of the psychic element. It's one, I don't feel one element will ever be extinguished. But going back with reference to what you say with the platform mediumship, as we sit here now, April 2021, just about to go into May, I feel obviously the type of year we've had with the pandemic, with the restrictions that have taken place, Platform mediumship where we haven't been allowed to be face to face and quite respectfully so we haven't been allowed to be face to face within that room 
And it's just now starting to get back to people being able to be under the same roof within the same space. But I feel it's evolving because the beauty of video call, Zoom communication, Skype, different meetings have been set up virtually, however it may be, FaceTime, etc. Different platform meetings have been set up. And the beauty of the internet and technology that is moving so rapidly fast forward is it's very different, but you can have that audience in front of you, albeit virtually. I'm a great believer, and this is from experience, not just belief, that you can still bring the presence of spirit about within that virtual room, if you like. You can still have the presence of spirit, even though they're not sat in front of you physically. And I do believe and I do trust that even though it's going back to normal, if you like, where centres and churches are opening and theatres are going to open once more. So demonstrations will take place there and the platform will be reopened there. I do believe that because of the wider audience we've reached, because there's people from different counties, different countries that have now seen different nationalities of medium work, I do feel that the virtual platform mediumship is still going to carry on. So I feel that's evolving. And I think as mediums, we've had to evolve ourselves because working in person in a church or in a, an, on an event um, with platform mediumship, it's a very different energy to working online. And Absolutely. I know that I've had to, if I'm in a venue, I know I can be drawn to a certain side of the room, the back, the front, a certain person. Online, if I can see 10 people in the squares in front of me, I can still be drawn in that way. But if you're at a bigger event where you've got pages and pages of Zoom candidates, it's a different sort of thing, isn't it? We've all had to evolve. Definitely, definitely. That's where we evolve within our presentation of our platform mediumship, if you like. Um, the mechanics of it, where sometimes the feeling is to be closer to the spirit world. We should be close anyway, having said that, whenever we're working, but to be closer as in relying on them, their evidence that's going to get us to the recipient. Because as you say, when there is so many within a virtual room, we can't always get that feeling of, I want to be on that square within this meeting, because they may be on another page. So there is a huge element where you are now relying on the audience to have such an open mind from the very beginning. And obviously, we all remember our loved ones, but you've got to have a broad mind to remember within a medium's open statement. You know, we've really got to suddenly rinse through the information of memories and communication and what was once said when they was alive. So you're asking the audience to think very quickly on their feet. Um, so you're absolutely right. I agree with you. It's changed in that way. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, interesting. And full of potential, I think, because we're just at the beginning of that virtual mediumship. Definitely, definitely. And, and the one positive, I feel, is that maybe there aren't people that have wanted to go to a church. Maybe there are there are people in the audience that can't go out of their house disability or lack of mobility or for whatever reason they're, they're still vulnerable for all sorts of reasons it's been so much easier for them to be do you know what it's going to suit me to look virtually at this person and as mediums we've got to be conscious of still delivering to maybe many facets of delivering our platform mediumship it's a good thing Different people, different styles of mediumship, different styles of delivering those messages. I feel the recipient, the audience member, has got a right to have different needs of how they are able to get to um, a mediumship demonstration, virtually or in person. It's their right, I feel. So I'm hoping that maybe mediums that have shied away from it a bit, I do respect when they say, but it's not the same. I've so missed seeing people and their faces and being within a church, within a quiet place. I've really missed it. But I would also miss 
the virtual reality of reaching people that are so far and wide from the other side of the world, but they're able to join. Yeah, so I'd it, love to know that both are going to carry on. Yes, I hope they do, and I'm sure they will. Natalie, I know there's a special area of mediumship that you're working in at the moment. Yeah. Talk to us about your passion right now. Okay, so one of my passions within my mediumship that, again, by chance, I didn't fall into it because I started to investigate the investigator in me, but I'm very passionate um, to use my psychic ability within detective work. I will say my family often say that if I wasn't a psychic medium, they do feel that I would be somewhere within the criminal field either as a detective or working as a private investigator, and I have to agree with them. So I was asked once by another medium to help them on a case, which I was very pleased, and they kind of opened my eyes to the world of psychics being asked by different police forces or different people um, that were upstanding within the law and they asked um, he asked me if I would help him with a case so we done map reading something that's called mind mapping which is where you go on a journey within your mind of what may have happened what may be an outcome we was working on a missing person so it's very much mind traveling with that person their route what's happened what's happened after so I done a bit of work in that way it was just in my element I loved it again didn't think too much about it other than fulfilling what was asked of me and then over the next months over the next couple of years I was very much interested and used to explore things very privately, just on my own, used to explore cases that come up in the media, different things I would allow myself to investigate what I feel, what was being reported very quickly, not in a nosy way. And I'd never make anything public as I was doing this work just on my own. But very naturally, I could sit there and I would have scenes played out to me clairvoyantly. I would know very instinctively whether someone had passed or whether they were still here. And it's not just about missing persons or murder. Sometimes it can be about confrontation. I've been asked in court cases to do with wills, court cases to do with family disagreements I've worked on. So it's not always death. It's not always murder or missing persons. And the more I got into it, the more I was being asked during readings when I would uncover that someone was missing or I would uncover maybe how someone's passed and certain evidence I was giving, the family families sometimes come forward and ask me if I would work on it in more detail. And then there was a lovely chief detective from Essex Police that called me up, come round to my house one day and unbeknown to me, she was doing an off-the-record interview, really politely, really lovely, didn't make me feel uncomfortable at all. But it was because a family had gone to her with information, they had reopened a case based on the information. She had asked the people how much I was charging to give them this information. How much is she charging? What sort of money is she taking off you? And when they turned around and said... She doesn't take a penny. She simply wants us to help locate. She That's when she come round to talk to me because she couldn't believe the evidence I'd given. And it was about a missing person. She couldn't believe the evidence I'd given. They reopened the case, dug up some areas, and unfortunately she was found. But as I described, and from then on, um, the chief detective would come round a lot and or ask me to go in and work on cases. They can never, ever declare that they've used psychics because they can't declare it during evidence. It doesn't uh, it doesn't stand up in the court. But they certainly give me enough credit, enough respect. Um, and that's all I want. I don't want to convert people. I'm not on about everybody believing that I solve mysteries any better than any police officer or any um, police force. But I just wanted the respect whenever I work with them that they they give me that space to do what they're asking me to do without ridicule. And they do. And then 
the Metropolitan Police, I've worked with them quite a lot as well on a number of cases. Um, and they're all friendly. They're all lovely as I'm working with them. That's amazing, so, Natalie. Well done. Congratulations. And that's lovely closure for those families. Thank you. Thank you. And that is my, obviously I teach it, I have development circles. That is my busiest development circles is Psychic Detective. They are always my busiest groups. And so how does it work, Natalie, for those listening who don't know, where do you start from? If somebody comes to you and says, you know, there's this missing person, here's a photograph of them, where do you go from there? Me as an individual, and this is only my preference, I don't take ages, well, hopefully I don't, I don't take ages and ages because obviously they're looking for closure or they're looking for answers sooner rather than later. As like a moral or part of my presentation, if you like, I never give a timeline. So I would say to them, different during a reading, I may pick up different evidence during a one-to-one reading about a case. But then if they ask me to work on it deeper, or the police do, I never give a timeline. I always say to them, please, can you leave it with me? Maybe a day, maybe a couple of weeks. Um, Photographs, any sort of maps, any other information that they feel is relevant to share with me. Um, then I will always go by my intuition as soon as they begin talking about a case. Because sometimes, very politely, I will shut them down and just say very, very quickly, please don't tell me anymore. Because I will get a feeling quickly whether it's going to mess with my mind or whether I just need to know what I call the stepping stones. Tell me a little bit about it and then I can run with this story. So that's the trigger points. And then, um, say it is a missing person, again, that mind mapping, that traveling with someone's life. So me personally, I try to pick out, and this has helped when I've just got a diploma in criminal profiling, and I transfer that over to my psychic detective work, so that my logical mind and the trigger points of what I've learned within that diploma of what the police need, what the criminal justice system need in order to secure a prosecution, what they look for. I transfer that to my psychic mind on two levels. So the victim or the person of concern, I travel with them within my mind, their lifestyle, what's gone on and bring it right up to the date of missing. And I will feel, what are you doing? And it's like looking at their life through their eyes. You don't want to ever be looking at someone psychically or within mediumship from what I call the 3D aspect, where you're on the outside looking in. Become them. Look at life through their mind. Be fearless and brave and take a hold of their common sense and their intelligence. Walk in their footsteps and then that way, you will begin to start seeing the sights, surroundings, the smells of where they last were. Unfortunately, this is almost the downside of it. But we must remember, it's only the thoughts and the feeling. We don't necessarily take it on. We don't become it. But you can also wear their fears because that's going to get you to what happened. Are they fearful? What was they fearful of? An atmosphere, a person? So you begin to unravel the story leading up to it psychically. And then what's happened after? I always explain to a family that I would always be honest. I believe that if we begin to feel that someone is within the spirit world, when it is to do with missing persons or anything of that nature, I completely rely on my communication with the spirit world to deliver evidence and information. And this is only really on missing people because there's either, forgive the way I say this, there's either nobody or you haven't found that living person yet. So I always ask the family, if I'm dealing with the family, I will always be honest you must understand I'm going to tell you exactly what I feel. But that's where you've got to have a pure responsibility as a medium at not being destructive with your evidence. It's to open their eyes to what else needs to be looked at, not to decide or play the part of whether they're in heaven, whether they're alive. It is to have trigger points of you need to look in this area. This is what I feel they're fearful of. This is what they're taking me to see. 
Um, if it's the police, then I can be a bit more demanding and meet their needs of outcomes, where to look and be a little bit more definitive of this is where we're going with this. This is what you're going to find. And then it's up to them what they do with that information, because you have to do it in a way where you've got your mediumistic and your psychic ability, but you've got to work with the police, not against them. You've got to work with them because it's no good just saying this, this and this has happened, not just because a psychic's work can't stand up in court, but there's there's certain elements where you need to be working in a way psychically alongside them, how they look at things. Part of it, any detective work, is the two sides. You then have to go into the criminal element. So there's a part of you as a medium, you've got to be cut out for it because you're going into a criminal's mind and world. You may pick up things that they've done before. I've had it very recently. There was a case I was asked to work on in Australia connected to one woman, but it turned out it was a serial killer. So you are experiencing maybe more than what was put on the table for you at that moment in time. So I feel there's something where it's the reasoning behind why you do what you do. I do it to help. One-to-one readings, mediumship, platform. I will always do it teaching. I'm doing it to help others. So that's why as long as it's helping, I will always do it. What I have found difficult about psychic detection, I've been asked to work on a couple of things. If a family member asks you to work on something, you can you can bring forward information, but then there's the thing like, how much do you tell them that you've picked up? Because it's dif- it's very difficult and you can pick up some incredible incredibly distressing things so if you were working with the police you could give them everything that you pick up and then it's up to them but with the family it's very different so it's hard to know what to give absolutely I feel what I do I put my trust in the spirit world and I always have a conversation with the spirit world I'm not saying I would begin to feel that their loved one is in the spirit world I have a conversation with the spirit world So my people that look after me, my team, my spirit guides, those that work with me, I have a conversation with the spirit world before I would even start work or at the beginning of every day. I put my trust in them and I say to them, like I did this morning, what I will talk about, how I will work today, give it in a way where it needs to be heard and give it in a way of being respectful. And what I say enables, it doesn't disable. And then I leave it there. And I completely trust the spirit world that how they're going to make me say things, things they're going to show me is not going to be destructive or destroy a family member. It's going to enable them to bring the closure that they want have. That's great. That's a really good explanation, Natalie. The other thing I'm thinking about is I've also been approached by friends of somebody who's gone missing. Can you help? We're desperate. We love this person. They've gone. Um, And I've worked on that. But then I haven't given them the information we've picked up as a team of psychics because I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, the family haven't asked me to do this. So I've pulled back because that it's not my place to shit. They haven't asked. Yeah, absolutely. There is something where, um, very, very good point. I totally agree with you. I um, Even working with the police, they are giving me their permission. So I do take it. It may not be direct contact with the family. For all I know, because I don't check and find out, for all I know, they may never told the family that they've consulted me. I wouldn't dream of ever telling anyone names, dates, times of cases I'm working on um, in case they do know someone in that family. You don't know. So I feel there's it goes down to a code of conduct. And there is something where if friends agree to help, again, I trust the spirit world and say, OK, I'm going to open my mind to this. Let me tell them what they need to know. And then I may tell them things. Okay, this is what I'm getting. This is what I'm picking up. But I do trust that it only goes as far. I don't feel we're limited. That's not the word I want. 
but I trust the spirit world that it only goes as far to enable. It's not going to give any more. And sometimes I may say to the friend or to the, the partner who, who's ever asked, if you need any more information, please feel free. I will sit with that family. And I have had that before where I've spoke to someone about it. It might even be during a reading. So there's been no detective work, if you like. Um, and this did happen, actually. I spoke to one family member and then they come back to see me with the brother, two of the other sisters and the mum. And they all sat me before me and that's when talk to them through talk them through how I can work I do also explain everything's an experiment so I may not give you exactly what you want we'll see how this goes and then it was all there so I would almost um it's the same when I teach it I always use cases where I've got permission to experiment with it in that way as I'm teaching rather than just let's work on a case. Let's have all these details um, and it's not really going to go anywhere. Yeah, interesting. Well, gosh, I wish you all the luck in the world with that work. It's so so vital and, and mediumship can help in this way for so many people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a big thing now, really. It's a big thing. I completely respect that they don't give out that they sometimes use psychics. I completely respect it. I don't want some recognition as in this is who we use a lot. I don't. I want to help. I want to bring closure. I think there's nothing worse than someone passing and being left with questions or someone missing or something very cryptic happening, and we just never, ever find out someone's thought patterns. It really, it devastates more than the person that's missing or at a loss um, to not, not have the insight of someone's mind. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing all that with us. And talk to us then, if if we could just move on a little, to your work with the Psychic Sisters in Selfridges. Yes, I have since last year. I had a chat with Jane Wallace, who's a lovely lady who um, has been a tarot reader for years and years. But I had a talk with her last summer and she asked me if I would go in store. And they have a franchise there in the middle of Selfridges. You've got all your other outlets and there's a, a beautiful stand with crystals and beautiful healing elements um, and powders and candles and all sorts of pretty things. And then they have their reading rooms. So it's just another place where you can find me at. I do one or two days a week there and then I've got my own. Um, but yes, ever since last summer, obviously during lockdown, we couldn't go in store. But since last summer, I have been reading for people in there. And it's nice because it's a different audience. You get many tourists from other countries that come in and shop there and then see us and book their readings. So it's a different kind of clientele. It's another way of reaching people. So it's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And it's a great, uh, it's great kudos to you for the for the level of skill that you have to be working in a place like that. So well done. And I went there once to have a look around. And my goodness, in some of those reading rooms, they have um, ceiling to floor all across the walls, amethyst. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh I, mean, I absolutely love it. And if I can get that room, I try and get in that room. <laughs> There's crystals everywhere, but there is an amethyst wall. You are right. It sounds as if I charge in there and take over. I promise you I don't. But for some reason, I always kind of, um, someone always takes the room in front and on the left, I am left with the beautiful amethyst wall. So that is normally my reading room, but it is beautiful. It's a lovely space to be in. And it sounds, sometimes there's a misconception And don't get me wrong, when you go into the reading room, it is a peaceful space. It's a beautiful energy that is created by your psychic, created by the tarot reader. It's a beautiful space to go in that is peaceful, full of crystals. But you go outside the doors and it's the hustle and bustle of London. But I do feel talking about it is testament to the the fact that if you really want to be in that space, You don't necessarily have to have this routine of 
don't disturb me. I need to go through this ritual of cleansing. And, you know, they can't be a mere morsel of a sound. It's not. You can move from one space to the next. And as long as you've got the power of spirit or your own psychic ability that you've worked on so hard and allow it to very naturally develop, you can read within that space. It's beautiful, I think. In You can walk down the street of Oxford Circus and then underground, so to speak, is that amethyst room. And there we are giving that psychic guidance, which is so very needed. I do love the psychic as well. It's beautiful. Do you think it, the the amethyst wall uh, and the energy that comes from the crystal, do you think that enhances your readings in some way? Um, I definitely feel it helps. Yes, I definitely feel it helps. I would like to think even if I wasn't in the amethyst room that I am still reading okay. But yes, I definitely feel crystals and their energy and what the atmosphere soaks up, which in turn in that room obviously is the amethyst wall. Yes, that definitely does help. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And do you think, therefore, on a smaller scale, for those people listening who are working as psychics and mediums, do you think it's important to have crystals around your space or does it not matter at all? Honestly, I don't feel it's a necessity. And I never did um, for years and years and years. I've got crystals in my room now that I'm talking to you from that have been bought for me. I haven't necessarily gone out and bought my own crystals, give or take a little crystal ball I've got. That's the only thing I've ever bought myself. So I'm very lucky because the ones I've got have been presents to me. It's not a necessity, I would say. What is necessary is your mindset. That is the most creative, powerful tool that you need to be mindful of before, during and after any spiritual work you do. So crystals, if you have them and appreciate them and know what you're doing with them, they are the most powerful healing element that you can have along with the other things that help us but you don't necessarily need them in order to execute a good reading, good platform work. Yeah, interesting answer. Thanks, Natalie. And you are a very well-respected tutor in the world of spiritual and psychic um, skills. Thank you. Yeah, you are. Loads of people really speak so highly of you, Natalie. And myself, I've been taught by you and Honestly, it was one of the best experiences to learn from you. So thank you. Oh, um, thank you, Anne. Oh, no, you're welcome. You're, you're a great tutor. And I know you've worked in Australia and uh, America, New Zealand, the Netherlands. Uh, hopefully, when the world starts turning, you'll be going back out to those places. Yes. But do you have yeah. classes and courses coming up that people can come and learn with you, perhaps online or in person coming up? Yes, I do. In well, we're reaching May now this weekend, aren't we? But in May, the end of May, my courses start again because they're normally over a six-week term. So they will all start again towards the end of May. Psychic Detective and Psychic Mediumship and the Seer. For all levels, I do a beginner's and I do a intermediate and above. I do a tarot workshop as well, um, a tarot course. So they will all start again towards the end of May. They are online. I am going to, I've been asked, I will meet in person to do in-person development circles. But I've also been asked, and obviously I teach online to other countries. So they have asked me if I will keep teaching online as well as face-to-face. So I will, I will carry on doing both. Obviously, there's a need, synchronicity. So, yes, next month it all starts again. Wonderful. And are they all on your website, Natalie? They are on my website or I have a Facebook page, Natalie Eden Walker, Psychic Medium and Teacher. bit long-winded, so I do (laughs) apologise. That's okay. I'll put that in the show notes for the episode so people can go to my website and pick it all up and they'll they'll be directed over to you. you. And if you're doing demonstrations, have you got some demonstrations coming up? People can watch you work. Yes, I have. Demonstrations are always on, they are on my Facebook page, but they are always on my website. And my website is very regularly updated with platform dates 
in different churches and I travel all over because I'm back in Essex now but where I used to live in North London I still travel to where I've been originally booked years ago so I travel all over I do not confine my platform demonstrations to Essex so I am all over the UK (laughs) fabulous fabulous Natalie it's been so great talking to you and just getting an insight into some of the work that you're doing out there in the world it's fascinating thank you so much for sharing all that If anybody listening wants a reading with Natalie Eason-Walker, you can book with her, I'm sure. NatalieWalk at AOL.com. NatalieWalk at AOL.com. Perfect. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne. Natalie Walker, everyone. Do go over to her website and take a look around at all the courses she's got on offer and maybe treat yourself or a friend to a private reading with Natalie. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please can I ask you to go to iTunes, find the show Psychic Matters, scroll down and you will see at the bottom a little button you can click to write an honest review. If you have an Android phone, you can also leave reviews on Stitcher. Written podcast reviews are so important in helping move the podcast up the podcast charts, which obviously I examine in fine detail every week (laughs) to see how we're doing. Once upon a time, we were at number five in the UK charts, which was pretty incredible. And of course, I am aiming to get us to number one. That way we could reach so many more people who might benefit from all the wisdom, advice and guidance that has been so generously shared by my many guests to date. So if you feel able to leave a written review, that would be just amazing. I'll be back with you in two weeks time. Meanwhile, have a great fortnight and take care, everybody. My name is Anne Teato and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters.